Did you know that the way Jesus was born was the way that he lived? I feel like that's something we've forgotten as Christians. I want to talk about that and I have a surprise for you. Hi, I'm Monica Walter and this is Loving Theology. With it being Christmas, I wanted to talk about the birth of Jesus because of course that's the whole point of the holiday. But before we get into it, I wanted to ask you guys, what are some traditions that you have in your family around Christmas time? I know we have a couple, but I'd love to hear what you guys have been up to. As I was reading the story of the birth of Jesus, I saw an incredible parallel that I think many of us Christians have forgotten is an essential part of our walk with Jesus. It's at a point about Jesus that has been made from the very beginning of his life. So let's first start in Matthew 1, 18 through 23. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. So I want to stop right there. If you have a question about the fact that they were engaged and then getting divorced, and if that's confusing, comment below and I can explain that for you. So I wanted to first point out that in the story so far, they're not married and she's pregnant and he's trying to divorce her in secret and they're probably gonna be um, shamed for having this situation. There's a lot of drama going on and this is the situation that God chose for Jesus to be born into. I also wanna go to Luke real quick and point out something else that God is choosing Jesus to be born into this and an angel comes and says this to Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. This is this situation that is happening right now is something that this angel is saying that Mary is favored. So that's just something to think about. So let's go back to the story in Matthew. Let's continue with verse 20. It says, But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel. As you noticed, I emphasized the word conceive a couple times there in the verse. And we actually have a series coming up with a couple posts that talk about why it was so important that Jesus was conceived and didn't bypass that stage. So we've already seen the drama from the very beginning of Jesus' story, and now let's look at after he was born, um, what happens. So in Luke 2, 7, it says, She gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. So I could only imagine you don't go from not having a baby to having a baby within a short period of time. Like she's trying to find a place to stay that evening and she's probably having labor pains. And even in that situation, they're outcasts and not even able to find a place to have a child. And where they end up having this child is in a stable. I mean, this entire situation is crazy and this is the way that God chose for Jesus to be born into and I think that says something very important. Let's compare that birth to a story about Jesus in Mark. So in Mark 2 15 through 17 
It says, and it happened that he was reclining at the table in his house and many tax collectors and sinners, which tax collectors at that time were seen very similar and were outcast, uh, were dining with Jesus and his disciples for there were many of them and they were following him. When the scribes of the Pharisees saw that he was eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they said to his disciples, why is he eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners? And hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So we see from the very beginning, everything is just chaos. Every, you know, nothing is going the, the way that we would expect things to go within a family. He's born in a manger. It is stinky in there. there who knows what was going on in that barn while he's being born. I mean, that must have been a mess. And then later on, we see that Jesus chooses again to sit himself with the people that were the outcasts, the people that were going through the hardest time. And in society, then they were the low of the lows. And God chooses him to be born in this situation. And then Jesus, God, chooses to live his life and sit with these people. I think that says something very important of how we are supposed to live our lives every single day. It's not something that just happened those two occasions. This is the way that Jesus lived his life is he came to sit with people that were in sin. He did not separate himself from people that were in sin. I mean, Jesus's name means God saves. He, Joseph is told to name his son Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. I mean, that is the sole purpose of what he came. He came to save us from our sins. Are we living a life worthy of that? So if we wanna take part in what Jesus came to do, what he died for, what he gave everything up to come down on earth for, what he was named after, then we're gonna be required to do something. And that looks like getting rid of that judgment for others and for ourselves. We also need to put down the pride that we're without sin because that can separate us from people physically and emotionally and that's exactly what Jesus came for. And not only that, we, we have to stop fearing associating with people that are living in sin. Like that's going to ruin our name because Jesus didn't care. He went and he sat with the tax collectors who were complete outcasts, with the drunkards, with the prostitutes. He ate dinner with them. Why? Because that's what he came to do. That is what he has asked all the disciples. He said, come follow me. They came and followed and they also sat at that table. That we shouldn't fear being associated with these people because that's the very thing that he has asked us to do is to come and sit with them and share the love of God. I do want to make it clear that we are supposed to be in the world, not of it though. There's a clear difference between what we are doing and who we are associating ourselves with. That it's okay to sit with people and to be of help to them and to try and share the love of God and the story of Jesus, but it's a complete different story 
when we are actually participating in some things that are sinful. I'm going to put a link above to our post, God's Commandments Are Love, that explains that very thing of how um, we are supposed to live in the commandments that God has given us because that is his way of showing his love for us. So make sure you take a look at that. So the second point I wanted to make in comparing Jesus' birth to his life is that he first came at through conception and as a baby, and those are very vulnerable stages. And not only that, but as he's growing up, he's a toddler. King Herod is chasing around, trying to find him so that he could kill him. And we see that very vulnerable stage that he came through. And then later on in his life, we see that he is on a boat with the disciples. A storm comes and it's raging. They're freaking out. And Jesus has taken a nap. I mean, he just doesn't care. He's not worried about it. He, they wake him up and he just says, peace be still. And the waters just calm down. I mean, this is just a uh, thing that you see throughout his entire life. He just has this peace in him. He is not worried. There's something else that's on his mind that he thinks is more important. So we see that he lived this life of peace that came from trusting the Lord. He just trusted that what God had for him from his perfect loving father was good. And so we see um, in our post, Resting for Salvation, I'll actually link that above, that we can just relax. We don't have to be so worried we can actually trust that God has good things for us, that he has a plan. So we see this theme continue in Mark 16, 19, it says, So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, he's talking to the disciples, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And so he not only lives this life, starting from a very vulnerable infant, that God decided, oh, I'm going to put you know, the savior of the world is going to have to go through that vulnerable stage just like everyone else. And he's living this life of peace that he shows multiple times. He dies, he rises again, and then he sits down. He continues that place of rest. Jesus came to save us from our sins. But what does that look like? What is he saving us from? If you're anything like me, you've probably wondered, what are we doing here? Why am I going to work every day? Why am I doing anything? What's the purpose of this all? Where did we come from? Where did this world come from? Where did that come from? I can get lost in my thoughts so easily. But there's an answer, and it's simply put in the Bible. God says that he created us to be with him. Because God loves us, he created us so that we can be in relationship with him. But we hear that so often, like, Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you, God loves you so much, but what does that even mean? We actually have a post about that called, What is Love? And I'm going to link that above. Um, and it just goes over what love, the de definition of it is, and um, what that means when people are saying that. So the whole purpose of life is to have this relationship with God. But sin separates us from our relationship with him. And it doesn't look like we would normally think that, oh, I cursed or I drank too much or I partied all night and God doesn't approve of that so he doesn't want to associate with me. Because we've learned very well that Jesus is willing to sit down with anybody. 
What that separation looks like, though, is seen in the Garden of Eden. When Eve is having the conversation with the serpent, he's tempting her to take a bite of this fruit that's going to give her the knowledge of good and evil. So instead of trusting God, she's rejecting him and deciding to take a bite of this fruit so that she then could be God and decide for herself what is going to be good and evil. So she is now God, rejecting the real God. When we decide what is good and what is bad, we end up missing the mark, which is exactly what sin means. The definition is missing the mark. So we're not going to get it right every time. And once sin came into this world, along with it came death. To overcome death, we aren't expected to do enough good so that we'll be approved of. God had a completely different plan. He was going to send Jesus, his only son, to live a sinless life and then die on the cross for our sins, bearing all of our sin. And then through God's power, he would be resurrected. And that power would um, enable us to have the gift of eternal life so that we can, as it says in scripture, confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. That means that we are now putting Jesus in charge again. We know who God is again. We're not being God ourselves, as we talked about earlier. So we confess with our mouth that he is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. And we have the belief in the power of God and then we will be saved. At this point, we have recognized again who God is and who we are. We have put him in charge again and understand that he knows and he defines what is good and evil. So now that we can be in relationship with God again, once we have faith in Jesus and what God has done through him, we just have a simple relationship where we just converse with him and we can have our father perfectly who perfectly loves us communicating with us in our daily lives. He's protecting us. He's loving us, guiding us, give us wisdom, comforting us. We have all of that now. And it's pretty simple. We actually have a whole series on the topic of talking with God. And so I'll link that above. But if you've already walked with Jesus for a while and this was just refreshing for you, I'm so excited for you. And I hope you maybe learned something new. But if you haven't known Jesus or um, expressed your faith for him, I'm going to put a description below of a prayer that you can say and maybe some steps that you can take further in your walk. So as I said in the beginning, I had a surprise for you and this is for anyone who has given their life to Jesus, even if it was a long time ago or if you're doing it just today, I wanted to do a dance especially for you. And this isn't the first dance that I have done. I've done one in the past and I have more coming. And um, so don't forget to subscribe and hit the bell. And we have an awesome series coming up for uh, the new year, and it's about resolutions, and it's resolving big questions. We're going to go over, is it reasonable to have faith, the question of am I saved, and conception significance, as I had mentioned earlier. So again, don't forget to subscribe, hit that bell, and here is the dance. <laughs> 